know me, I love to be used and needed. Um, I'm a two on the Enneagram, and that is something that I strive for. <laughs> somebody let me be used. Um, so then, imagine we're at this coffee, and somebody has the audacity to say, hey, have you checked in on so-and-so? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm here meeting a need, and you're asking me about another need? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, I'm only one person. How can I reach out to every single person in the ministry? Um, so... As I turned to Acts 6 and started reading what Rob was asking me to preach on, I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, this is for you, and you need to lean in and listen. Um, and so as I continued to talk about what the church does with a complaint in the ministry, I want you all to listen and see how you can be active in it as well as me, Rob, and myself. Me, Robbie, and myself. Um, so let's dive into Acts 6. So we're going to see a complaint, a conversation, and an action. Um, and I want the Lord to reveal areas in which you can be a part of the church, a part of the body, and a part of the sweetness that Jesus actually wants his people to experience. Um, all throughout Acts so far, we've seen an emphasis on the church, the bride of Christ, the body of believers living in a sweet oneness. We read about the start of the church, the growth of the church, the leaders of the church forming. There's awe and wonder boldness and togetherness. Yet, it focuses on the beauty and growth, and yet times we overlook the growing pains. The last verse in chapter 5 left us with the apostles going day to day to temples and homes, not ceasing to teach and preach. Um, that's something that Rob and myself strive to do, going day to day to meet y'all where you are. And so this kind of hit home when we started reading. So if y'all will pick up in verse 1 with me. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So here, we're met with a complaint. This disturbance, this dissatisfaction heard from the people is not from the high priest this time, though. It's from somebody within the church. I know we have that saying that that hits different, um, but think about that, a complaint that came from within our walls. Someone that we love, somebody that we're supposed to be ministering to, they're the ones who have now complained. And that means that we should lean in and listen to that complaint, because it's one of our family members. If someone is neglected, it means that they haven't been cared for properly. Not that they haven't been cared for at all, but that they haven't been cared for properly. And I think that as I continue to speak, lean into that, listen for that. It means that they have been disregarded, not paid attention to. They find themselves in a state of neglect. Does anybody like to feel neglected? No. No hands out there. I just love that. We tend to focus on the positives of the disciples increasing. As we also get to be excited when our tables grow, when there's more people here on a Sunday, when our mission trip numbers are larger than they were last year. But we cannot be oblivious to the realities that come with growth. See, there were more followers of Jesus, but with that came more of everything. More needs to be met, more people to organize, more personalities to handle, more communication that was needed, more new people to be connected, and simply just more overall. So if I were one of those disciples, much like I 
portrayed myself across the table at coffee, and I was sitting there doing the good work of the Lord, and somebody came up to me and said, there's a neglected person. I might have the tendency to get defensive. Anybody else tend to get defensive when you're called out? Anybody? <laughs> Not alone. I can hear myself saying, wait, but Lord, I'm doing so much good. Why does it matter that there's a complaint in the ministry? Yet James 1, 19 through 20 humbly reminds me, Know this, my beloved brothers or sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I don't know about you, but I like to feel kind of righteous, <laughs> like I'm doing the right thing. So therefore, I can't get defensive when complaints or needs come up. We get to see how the disciples respond in humble admission of a present gap between the needs and what they felt called to, to do, to be equipped for, and what the congregation actually needed. See, they were able to address the spiritual needs, and yet they needed more hands to address the physical. Much like we have been called to shepherd the sheep, keep the flock, and at times that means that needs are unmet. And it's definitely something that we don't love. When we see or feel that a need is not met, that a person is not connected, that there's a lack of help, whether that's cleaning up after an event, that there's just not enough hands and ears to listen to go around, Rob and myself and Robbie cannot dwell in that gap. And that's where prayer comes in for help, for us to continue to lean in to make more disciples, to find more co-laborers with us. See, our frustrations and complaints can't just stop at a negative feeling. But those feelings need to push us to do something about that, to bring needs to light. So to bring this to a level of reality, since a lot of us are not complaining about widows, I don't think, um, I haven't heard that one yet, here's some things that Rob and myself and Robbie have heard over the last year and a half of I've been here, and Rob has been here a little bit longer, and Robbie in his last year here. Um, our family groups may be growing. There's new faces walking in the doors. Yet our family group leaders themselves feel neglected. Some of you have an event. You invite a few new people to it. And then you come in here on Sunday and talk to somebody. And all they wanted was for somebody to include them on a Friday night. We have new people talking to their classmates about Jesus. And yet when they bring them in the walls here, they feel like there's a lack of people making them feel included or wanted or seen. I'm sure if we took a moment of silence, you yourself could fill up a whole page of complaints. <laughs> I don't want us to because I don't think that that is beneficial if we don't know how to act on those complaints. We like to sit in the negative feelings, but yet the Lord is calling us to bring all of that to light, to actually do something about it. I have handled complaints in both ways, <laughs> in the prideful and in the humble spirit. And let me tell you that the fruit that comes with swallowing your pride is far too sweet to let the bitterness of a complaint hurt your pride. <laughs> so we're met with a complaint. What do we do about this? We'll continue in verse 2 through 4 in Acts. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles let their complaint lead to a conversation. I'm sure, though, all of us have had conversations about complaints, correct? Yeah? Raise your hand if you've probably complained about something within the last 24 hours to someone. Yeah. We're good at that. (laughs) So who was invited into this conversation? The scripture says the 12 summoned the full number of disciples. Here we see that the 12 show us how to be united even when a decision is needed to be made. This would be like Rob saying, hey, we need to have a family meeting. Or like our serve team meetings on Sunday nights. We're inviting everyone into this conversation. Everyone gets a say. Everyone gets a vote. And we're going to do this unified, whether we want to or not, because we have been called to be one body. The apostles were not afraid of speaking about areas that they needed help in. As somebody who struggles with pride, that's hard for me to admit that I need help in certain areas. And if I were to ask some of y'all, I feel like you would say the same thing. You see that a need is needed, but you're scared to ask for help. But how cool it is that in this situation, the apostles are showing us that they were not above asking for help. What if I was so self-righteous that I never came to any of you to ask for help with photos or videos because I felt like I was skilled enough? and yet complained about not having enough time to do that? What if Rob never reached out and asked one of you to sit with a guest or to contact them after a Sunday because he wanted to do it all, and yet got annoyed when nobody was helping him in that? What if we never asked for help in cleaning up or packing for trips when we were supposed to be spending that time getting prepared for a Sunday? or didn't have time to prepare for a mentor group. So the apostles held a family meeting of sorts, and everyone came willing to see what was needed to be done. So what did they say when they had gathered all together? The apostles started by explaining to the congregation that they had not been called to preach, that they had been called to preach the gospel, and it would not be right for them to give that up. Now, we need to understand that this isn't the 12 sitting there saying, I'm above doing something. Much like it would not be right for me to say that I am above washing dishes or cleaning up. But there's an emphasis on rightness, which I think is something that we should touch on. And as I mentioned earlier, I actually like being right. Um, I don't fight for that often, but I do enjoy somebody saying you were right. Anybody else? Yeah? Some of you fight louder than I do for that. (laughs) Um, But there are things that would be the wrong choices for the apostles to do. See, they had been given the ministry of the word. Much like Rob can't just stop preaching and teaching in 1420 in coffee shops and homes just to meet the need of something here. There are things within the ministry that I need to remind myself and I need y'all to remind me that it's not actually right for me to do. 
Acts 5.42 says, And every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That was the right for them, to preach, to teach, and to not let anything distract from that. The church was growing because of that. So now we're met with this need, and we need people to come help when we're out doing that. As I said, I need people to remind me of what's right. Um, An example being, I need to be reminded that going to wash dishes instead of talking to a girl about a spiritual battle is not actually right. I need you all to remind me that. (laughs) I need to be reminded that insisting on cleaning up at fall retreat instead of sitting there and praying for y'all is not right. It doesn't feel not right because there's a need and I should wash the dishes and I should clean, but that's not what the Lord has placed me in a position to do. Philippians 2, 3 through 7 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, I need to look out for the interest of others, and I need to be aware that y'all's needs are met fully, not with just what I have left. So we're going to do a quick demonstration on the board. If you want to follow me over here, how exciting. The mic not coming with me, so we'll bring it over here. (laughs) Maybe I'll speak down here. Um, So, how many needs are in life? A lot of needs. Big needs, small needs, all the types of needs, big needs. This is me writing needs a bunch of times. said that's a lot of needs. It is a lot of needs. I listen to (laughs) y'all. And these are just my own. So I am just one person, correct? I think so. Um, This is going to be fun. Somebody come help me fix this in a second. Um, So one person. I have two hands, correct? Yeah, that's what I wrote in my notes, Elastigirl. That's what I feel like sometimes. (laughs) But the image that I want this to create is Even though I'm stretching myself so thin, what is still not being met? All the needs. We have all of these needs unmet. And even if I were to stretch myself a little bit, a little bit more, how many more needs do you think I could get? Maybe like one. (laughs) Maybe this hand could pick up this one, right? 
So if it's not my job to meet all of the needs, which I hate to admit because I love to meet needs, and if it wasn't the apostle's job to meet all of the widow's needs, then whose is it? The 12 asked the congregation to appoint people who are going to be able to act on this need on behalf of the church, who would be willing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, those people becoming the deacons of the church. This conversation is such a beautiful picture of what responsibility looks like. Who likes to be responsible for things? Anybody? Some of us not so much, right? (laughs) If it's not my responsibility, then I don't have to do it. I brought this up, we talked about this passage in Young Professionals where there's been an accident, someone needs to call 911, and I just say, somebody call 911. What are the statistics of that? No one calls. We don't like to have the responsibility because with that comes the fact that we could not actually do the thing we're supposed to do. The conversation also showed that it was an image of trust within the church. They trusted that the spirit would fill the room and make those decisions, that the correct people would be chosen to fill the need. When Rob, myself, or Robbie ask one of you to do something, whether it's to help clean up on a Sunday service or to reach out to a new visitor, we're trusting that through the Holy Spirit, you will let him work through you, that you will be the hands of God to those people around us. In Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders, he puts it this way, behind all the busyness of the apostles was the executive activity of the Spirit. That was something that definitely convicted me because sometimes I feel like I am this Elastigirl who's just busy. (laughs) And if you've seen me on one of those days where I've shown that, my apologies. Because I need to be acting through the executive activity of the Spirit. And so do all of y'all, which means that I can have a level of trust when I ask you to do something. When Rob asks y'all to fill a need, when we ask you to step up, to fix it. You see, the apostles still cared that the widows were not being met, their needs were not being tended to. But because they were near to the spirit, near to the truth that somebody else needed to serve, they had no fear. They just acted. Is the wind me hearing complaints and trying to fill them all myself, being stressed out, overwhelmed, constantly feeling enough? I sure hope that that is not the need or the wind. So then is the wind us following what the apostles told us to do? Bringing the needs to you, knowing that the Lord is faithful to provide active members, ready to be beautiful instruments in the hand of our Redeemer. I count that as the win. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26 says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Since the church felt all the things together, Since they rejoiced over all of the things together, it only makes sense that they handled their complaints together too, correct? As I sat with this passage, two questions kept coming to mind. Am I letting others into a conversation about needs unmet? And am I letting God into those conversations, letting him know how I feel about that? 
Now, it seems a little silly to say, Katie, do you really not let God into the conversations about one of his children's needs that need to be met? But as I sat with that, I kept coming to this idea that when was the last time that you saw a friend hurting and didn't immediately jump in? Forgetting to take a moment to pray through it, seeing who could actually help, who had the emotional capacity to take on their need, and who had the time that they could devote to meeting up with that person. Or say you see somebody unhappy with a friendship in the ministry, and you just complain to anyone and everyone who will listen, without actually telling God how you feel about it. I was convicted by that, and I feel like there's plenty of us in the room that could say the same thing. We at times like to insert our own service before we allow time to see the Savior's provision through the hands and feet of someone else. And we miss out on the beauty of a larger church body reminding us that they care about our complaints and our concerns. If your ear hurts, your whole body feels it, correct? Anybody had an ear ache recently? You complain about it. <laughs> Anyone stubbed their toe recently? It's such a small thing to think about, but we complain to everyone who will listen when that happens. I know I do. So if we've been met with a complaint and we've had a conversation about it, something has to happen from that conversation. There has to be an action that is taken. In verse 5 through 6, if y'all will look there, we're going to continue. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then some names that are hard for me to pronounce. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. The disciples agreed that action needed to be taken. But they said, hey, church body, we actually trust you. Do something about it. How cool it would be if Rob and myself and Robbie were able to say, church, we trust you. Do something about it. We see the, the problem being taken into the hands of the church and the church being obedient in that. So we see seven deacons are chosen with hard names. Deacons who were full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Deacons who were prayed over. Deacons that were commissioned by the whole church. And deacons whom the apostles believed in. We want to believe in y'all, and we do. The need gap was being closed in the form of 14 hands and feet that were ready to jump in and be the bridge between the church and the community. Seven individuals who were willing to be led by the Spirit to do work that was set before them. The Hellenist love led them to speak up for the widows, and the apostles' love of the church led them to act on the need. Rob and myself need to fight for the freedom to do that. The apostles were met with this freedom to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. We want that freedom because that means that we're able to sit with you in the Bible and be present. We're able to be on stage on Sundays giving you the word that the Holy Spirit has laid on our hearts because we're not so stretched thin. The Acts Church is something that I think we can learn so much from. And as we continue to read about more complaints, more divisions, 
more angry people in the church with this growth, we need to learn how they handled it, how they let the Spirit guide them through it all. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's something Rob and myself talked about this morning. What is the common good? It's definitely something that I want to fight for our ministry for. Knowing that something was good for all. If we continue to read in verse 6 and 7, the congregation was pleased. Everyone who gathered actually said, hey, we made a good decision. How often does that actually happen? When everyone in the same room says, yep, that sounds good to us. The reason that that was able to happen is because they were united by the Spirit. And I think that that's something we can't forget. Because with more people came what? More opinions, more personalities, <laughs> things that should divide them, but it didn't. When Rob, myself, or Robbie see areas we cannot fill the gaps, we have two ways of handling it. We can either crumble under the weight of feeling inadequate, grumbling with one another in the office about the lack of help, running around like an unhealthy chicken with their head cut off, or an elastic girl. Or we can come before you, humble, seeking guidance from the Spirit to appoint help, to continue to strive for healthy sheep who can assist others. We want that for y'all. So what can y'all do? When you hear of a complaint or see needs unmet, people neglected, tasks undone, what will your response be? You have the ability to choose to passively sit in anger and your feelings of the church not doing enough, saying it to someone else but not to the Lord, saying that it's somebody else's responsibility to fix that, definitely not mine, or you have the ability to choose to fight for the church, to be obedient in faith. I think if we were honest, we want to say we would choose the second, but a lot of times we rest in the first. I want to challenge us, us with three questions. What will you do with the complaints that are heavy on your heart or that have been brought to your mind or ears today? What will your conversations look like over the next week? What will your actions be rooted in in the remainder of the semester? So next Sunday, not this Sunday, if y'all were confused, we will have a serve team meeting. Kind of like a call to action like the church in Acts. A time where we get to healthily come together and voice what is on our minds, to voice our complaints, to voice our frustrations. But really, we want those to be out of your love for others. There's a way you can bring up a need, and it sound a lot better than if you brought it up angrily. There's a way you can say, hey, I love this person so much that I'm willing to fight that they are going unseen. I want us to be a church body that fights for others the way that the Hellenists did. That they saw that somebody was neglected or unseen, not cared for properly. 
Not just that they didn't get any care at all, but that they didn't get the proper care, the full care that they deserve of being a part of our body. I want y'all to take a few moments around your tables to kind of sit with this and pray. I think so often we rush ahead with words and we forget that the spirit is in this room and that we get to voice our complaints, our frustrations with the body and be one with one another. So I want us to spend some time praying for those neglected, for the needs that we have seen gone unmet, praying for conversations to be had and action to be taken in order to fill the gaps. Pray that we see needs in people as urgent matters, understanding we have been called to fix things and to keep the body healthy, showing that the Lord is in our midst. Y'all, we don't need more Alaska people. We need people who are healthy and able to serve those around us. I'm going to pray real fast, and then you will have some time around your tables. Um, Lord, we are so thankful that you invited us into your family, um, that you saw a need in us and said, I want to help, that you have continued to bring people alongside of us who are able to lead us further in our faith, who are able to shepherd us, who are able to love us. Lord, I pray that as we continue to look at the Acts Church, that we are not only encouraged but challenged. Lord, you keep calling us into a deeper version of our walk with you, and I pray that we actually step into that. Lord, I pray that we are no longer passive in our faith, that we no longer look at the field and say, oh, somebody else will get that. Somebody else will play. Lord, the win is all of us being within the walls, working together, working as one body, using our gifts for one another. Lord, I'm humbled that you have called me into your kingdom and that I get to just shepherd the flock, Lord. I pray that this week we are made known needs. See them, fight for them, and tell you about them, Lord. I pray that we are able to just be one with one another in the words that we speak around the table. And I pray that this time is sweet as we just get to talk to you, Lord. Talk to you with those around us. Be the family. Lord, we're thankful for you and all that you have done in our lives and in our ministry. And Lord, we want to just offer ourselves back up to you, walking in obedience. And it's in your name I pray, amen.